You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. In this series, Purpose to Promise, we walk through the first 11 chapters of Genesis from God's purpose for his creation to his promise to Abraham. Uh, This morning in our journey through Genesis brings us to Genesis chapter 5. So let me read uh, chapter 5 for us. And then I'm going to pray, and then we'll start here. Chapter 5. This is the book of generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mehalel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mehalel, wherever you say his name, 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalel were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died when Lamech had lived 182 years he fathered a son and called his name Noah saying out of the ground that the Lord has cursed this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that we can come here today to look into your word. Lord, we ask that uh, you open our hearts to it. Lord, that you give me the the words to to speak um, that I may speak clearly and that you may be glorified in all that you have said and we ask these things in Jesus name so this is the book of the generations of Adam 
those are the words that begin chapter 5. It's a genealogy giving us the lineage from Adam to Noah through the line of Seth. In one sense, it is meant as a fast train to get us from Adam to Noah, the next major storyline in Genesis. But today, I want to draw attention to a few things along the way as we go with that fast train. So Joe has said over the last few weeks that we were in the downward spiral from the fall in chapter 3 through the sin of Cain and the continuing and deepening separation from God that we saw in chapter 4 until we read in, in later in chapter 6, verse 5, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So what I want us to see in the midst of that downward spiral is a glimpse of hope. Contrary to the line of Cain in chapter 4, we see hope in the line of Seth. Joe touched on the hope at the end of chapter 4 where we were introduced to the line of Seth and we were told that man began calling on the name of the Lord. Joe showed us last week in the battle between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman, God is faithful in continuing the line of the seed of the woman. In this chapter, we see a pattern, um, which you may have noticed. Um, an example of that is, is just verses 6 through 8. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. So the same formulaic information is repeated, assigning one, the age of the individual when he fathers his firstborn son, two, the remaining years of his life, three, the recognition of other sons and daughters, four, the total years of his life, and five, the notice of his death. There's no mention of other accomplishments such as founding cities, such as we saw in Cain's line, and we can assume that, but we can assume the cities were founded and other notable things, but that is not where the writer is putting his attention. So one notable thing in this pattern, at least I think, is that it indicates a continuation of God's blessing to be fruitful and multiply, which we see in the phrase, they had other sons and daughters, which we see over and over. Likewise, we see the continuation of the condemnation of sin in the phrase, and he died. In Genesis 2, we read, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So we see that the, that was not immediate. It was certain as is repeated for us again. The repeated pattern reminds of both blessing and curse and otherwise you might say that it's unremarkable. It's kind of repetitive. However, there are three areas in, in the chapter where we break from the pattern. In the beginning of the chapter in Adam, we reset the narrative after the line of Cain and are given important reminders of the status of the relationship between God and man. Seth gives us a fresh start on the line of hope. Then also we have Enoch, who walks with God and is taken. He is the main reason I chose this chapter, which we'll get to. Um, and I would just jump to that. But I think the first section kind of gives us a, an idea of God's revelation up to the time of Enoch and what, what he could know of God. Um, finally and briefly, at the end, there is Lamech, who breaks the pattern of of the repetition and looks for the relief that has been promised in the future seed of the woman. Um, so those are my three divisions. Um, so let's start 
verse 1. Again, when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. So in these verses, we're reminded of a few things about the relationship between God and man. First, we were reminded that when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. So for this, this looks back to uh, chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So after the separation that we have seen in chapters 3 and 4, it is important, I think, to be reminded that being made in the image of God means that we are capable of knowing him, loving him, and enjoying him. We were made that way. Sin, however, has gotten in the way, as we've seen. We are to be image bearers of God. Augustine wrote, and I think Joe actually mentioned this when we did chapter 1, Augustine wrote that we are like mirrors, curved in on ourselves. We are supposed to be pointed upwards and outwards, but instead we are pointed downwards and inwards. So we have seen hope in the end of the last chapter that once again man is calling on the Lord and turning attention back to him and not as much into himself. So we see in verse 3 then that Adam fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So Adam is created in the image of God and his son is created in his image and hence we are all follow carrying the image of God. But we also, unfortunately, like Seth, we also carry the image of Adam and are born in sin. We are reminded of the consequences with each generation as we repeat, then he died. Secondly, we are reminded that God made us male and female. Verse 27 in chapter 1 said, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. That is kind of important to be the fruitful and multiply blessing if they have male and female. Scripture is clear on that. Society, of course, is a little more confused, as we know. Thirdly, he blessed them. A reminder of Genesis 1:28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So like the other one, we're a little confused on the dominion thing, but that's another sermon altogether, so we won't go. So God has blessing for those who walk with him is what I want us to get from that this morning. And then fourth, we are told that he named them man. Now we know that they were man, this is the first phrase that's, that, that's given here in Genesis. Uh, we've not heard it before. So it is a reminder, I think, of the sovereignty of God. In the act of naming, God is asserting the authority he, he has over man, the authority that sin has questioned. He is Lord, there is no other. Again, like other things, a sinful world puts that aside and puts themselves in command to our shame and our ultimate condemnation. So, before we get to Enoch, I believe this gives us a a snapshot, if you will, of the revelation in history that even the ancients of of Enoch's time, all the pre-flood guys, um, even this knowledge they possessed, that God created all things, including creating man in his image. 
They have seen God both bless man and punish. They have seen both God's judgment of sin and his mercy. They have heard a promise of future seed of a woman who will crush Satan's head. So we can, we can compare Enoch, the seventh in the line of Seth, with uh, the seventh person listed in the line of Cain that we heard about last week, um, which was namely Lamech. Um, more is said about Lamech than any of the other descendants of Cain. He is the one who took two wives and who boasted about killing the young man for wounding him. Lamech is the epitome of the wickedness of the line of Cain, as we saw last week, whereas Enoch is the epitome of righteousness found within the line of Seth. So what's the point of that comparison? Well, even the ancients were either seeking either their own power and glory, as we have seen in the line of Cain, or they were seeking God's glory by walking with him in hope and humility. So this walking thing, we see throughout Scripture either reference to those who walked with God, like we see here in Enoch, or we see an admonition to walk with the Lord, as in Micah 6.8 says, And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Or we're told to walk in, in his ways, as in Deuteronomy 8.6, So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways, and by fearing him. Or unfortunately, sometimes in Scripture we see the reference to those failing to walk with God, such as in Jeremiah 7:24, but they did not obey or inclined their ear, but walked in their own counsels in the stubbornness of their evil hearts and went backwards and not forwards. So, what can we learn about from looking at Enoch's walking with God? First, let's read 21:24 again. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. This, as some of you have discovered, is one of my favorite verses. Uh, I think it sums up what every believer strives for, to walk with God. It's just Enoch walked with God. It's just simple. I mean, it, it doesn't have baggage there of, of necessarily how, that we're going to look at some hows that we can apply backwards, but it's just, I don't know, it's just you hear Enoch walked with God, and my heart goes, someday, maybe someone, if, hopefully at the end, that's all that needs to be said is, he walked with God. There's nothing greater that can be said of anybody who walked with God. It's, you know, it's what we should, I hope, pray for each other as that we're walking with God. It's what I know I, when I don't know what else to pray for church members as I've you know, pray down through church members every week. If so, you know, if I'm if I don't know, have something else to pray for you. I'm praying that you're walking with God, because <laughs> that's just so. Um, he walked with God. Um, so clearly, as I said, we're lacking detail as to what that meant for Enoch. So that allows me then to make assumptions and infer backwards. So you can uh, you can argue with those uh, later if if you want. But I think they're all. They're, you'll see that they're all based on, on Scripture. That, but let's paint on this somewhat blank slate of Enoch walking with God. The phrase walked with God to me describes a life of faithfulness and obedience to God. 
The biblical idea of walking with someone is the idea of intimate friendship and fellowship. The living God, creator of the universe, created man to walk with him in paradise and talk intimately with him. Sin messed that up. And the rest of scripture, as we know, is God's redemptive work to restore the walk with God. Even here in the life of Enoch, in the ancients, we see the promise of that redemption in a way that's it's kind of that, that launching pad of that arc of, of scripture that from here to the end, it's all about walking with God. And it's starting here with Enoch. It's um, walking with God. Uh, I'm going to see, I'll get distracted here, my, distracting myself. Uh, so, it is said of Noah also in 6 9, as we will see, that he walked with God and was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. Abraham and Isaac, as faithful servants of God, also walked with God. This should be, this should be the desire of every believer to walk with God. To the writers of the scripture, walking with God is the way to life. Moses said to the people in the wilderness in Deuteronomy 30, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you. But for Enoch and Noah and Abraham, walking with God is not simply keeping a set of laws. They did not have the laws given to Moses, and even if they did, they could not keep them any more than Israel did, any more than the apostles did, any more than we can. But still, in Noah's case, he was considered blameless, and Abraham was counted righteous, and as we will see, Enoch was pleasing to God. For them, walking with God was not about law-keeping, but faith. They walked by faith. The writer of Hebrews confirms for us that Enoch's walk with God is built on faith. When he writes, as we heard already this morning, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So from Hebrews, we know that Enoch pleased God. And we know this by faith because we were told, without faith it is impossible to please God. Now we know that it is not because Enoch was a perfect man, because this is after all, after the fall. And there will be no perfect man except for Jesus Christ. Spurgeon writes of Enoch this way. He says, doubtless Enoch was a man of like passions with ourselves. He had fallen with the rest of mankind with the sin of Adam. There was sin about him as there is sin about us by nature. And he had gone astray in act and deed as, we, as all we like sheep have done. And therefore he needed pardon and cleansing even as we do. And like us, Enoch was justified by faith and by faith was made pleasing to God. So faith is not just how we come to God, it is how we walk with God and how we finish the race. We do not come by faith and finish by works. Walking with the Lord requires faith. So that's first. And second, Enoch had to have a personal knowledge of God in his life. Not just an intellectual knowledge, 
but a practical knowledge. It says, For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. You cannot walk with a person whose existence is not known to you. Enoch, in believing that God exists, believed not in just in any concept of God, but the God that we read about in verses 1 through 3, the God that created the universe, that created man in his own image, that judges the guilty but has everlasting love and mercy, that will judge evil but will destroy sin and Satan as by the seed of the woman. Spurgeon again, he walked with God. It was not that he simply thought of God, that he speculated about God, that he argued about God, that he read about God, that he talked about God, but he walked with God, which is the practical and experimental part of godliness. Now, I think we would say ex experiential today instead of experimental, uh, but the point is the same. This knowledge of God that is lived out at home, at work, wherever you, your walk takes you, in the clothing closet, at the rescue mission, on campus, at the housing authority, in foster care, in courtrooms, in classrooms, in hospital rooms, on the factory floor, and from behind a counter. Walking with God, walking with God, we seek to know him in a personal, practical way. We must desire to be with him and to know the God who seeks to bless us with his love and mercy. Knowing him, we seek to show a reflection of that love and mercy to the world around us. Thirdly, Enoch had to be real with God, which is to say that he had to be confessional with God. God is holy. We are not. We all have, we have already established that Enoch is not perfect. But we also know that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Proverbs 28:36 tells us, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So if Enoch was walking with God and pleasing God, it is safe to assume that he was being real with God about the sin in his life and trusting in God's mercy and forgiveness. We even more so, knowing that Christ has paid the price for our sins, should take it to Jesus, our sins and our troubles. The, the old hymn, I must tell Jesus, came to mind. The first line is, I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for his own. God tells us his secret. That's the secrets about the Lord. And we tell him our joys and our in praise, our sorrows in prayer, and our sins in confession. So remember, for whoever would draw near God, near to God, must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. We remember that Adam and Eve were rightly afraid of God and hid from him and were cast out of the garden. Cain tried to hide from his sin and was cast out of the presence of God. Enoch chose differently. He chose to walk with God 
and must have therefore been real about his sin. To walk with God, we must talk with God, not in a high church kind of way, but personally and humbly. So my fourth, uh, Kent Hughes, in his commentary on this passage, um, suggested that Enoch must have agreement with God. And we, we read Amos 3.3 says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? So what must we agree with God about? First, we must agree on a destination. Enoch was walking in God's direction, and we cannot walk in our own direction and walk with God. Psalm 25.4 tells us, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Second, we must agree on the path, as that says. We, can, we cannot go our own path. We cannot do it our way. We must walk the path that God has laid out. We must walk in his way. Psalm 18.30 this says, This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. And we must agree to walk at the same pace. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. God's pace, not us. And we must, of course, agree on who is in charge, as all of those others imply. So if you've ever been in a marching band or watched a marching band, I spent a number of years of my children's high school education watching a marching band. Um, every member of a marching band cannot walk at their own pace or direction or path, but must walk at the direction of the drum major. The drum major is in charge. We must agree that God is in charge. He is sovereign. We are not. He picks the destination, he chooses the path, he sets the pace. So fifth, I didn't tell you how many I had here. So fifth, we can infer from this passage that Enoch's walking with God is continuous. In other words, that it is not just a season of his life, but the pattern of his whole life. I'm not assuming that he did not have his missteps and leave the path, which Pilgrim's Progress comes to my mind when I think of that. But if you haven't read that, read that. Um, for as we established, sin has already entered the world. Enoch is not immune to it, but the overall pattern of his life is in step with God. So, and related to that, being the pattern of his whole life, we should assume that it is progressive. If you are walking either by yourself or with anyone else, you make progress. You generally move forward. A man who walks with God will necessarily grow in grace and in knowledge of God and in likeness to Christ. So if you're not growing, then you probably need to check yourself. You may be sitting on the side of the path and need to get on the path. We sh so we should not conclude, I don't think, that because we get no list of personal accomplishments mentioned from, that Enoch was just sitting around conversing with God, though. Um, we've seen in, in uh, Jesus' parable of the talents in Matthew 25 that faithful servants get, are, get to enter the joy of the Lord, and the, the one who was given 
and sat on what he was given was cast into outer darkness. So I think that when then God being unchanging as he is, and that since Enoch did not die but was taken, that we can assume or infer that he used the talents that God gave him in a way that was pleasing to God. So then let us consider then last year about Enoch, what are, were the circumstances in which Enoch walked? Because maybe we say things are harder now than Enoch. He was just this ancient guy out there in the desert, maybe somewhere. I don't know why we always assume he was, those guys were in the desert. But anyway, out there sitting in front of a, sitting in front of a tent, didn't have much to do other than considering God. Um, we are busy. We got, things are complicated. There are video games and stuff like that. Um, these are evil times. You know, look what the, our world is doing. Um, so what do we know? We don't know much about Enoch, obviously, and so, but this we can infer. Um, he was an important man, as he is listed as a patriarch in this line of, of Seth. Um, we can assume that he was ahead of the family at, at some point, that he had responsibilities both for extended family and community. He's not just, he's a public figure and not just one of those other sons and daughters that we don't know who they are. Um, he, so we assume he has public responsibilities. He's, he's an important man. Uh, we do know that he is a family man. Not only did he father Methuselah, but other sons and daughters. So he has family responsibilities, just like you and me. And we know that he lived in evil times. Um, we've already seen some of, you know, the line of Cain and some of the contemporaries. But we also have in Jude, um, quoting, uh, when Jude quotes Enoch here, and in Jude 14, it was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness, that they have committed in such an ungodly way and all of the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. So we have, we have Enoch's words there. And we also know that, that we, as we mentioned, um, in a couple of generations, the, the flood's coming in Genesis 6 and verse 5 when we'll read again, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It was true of his day. It's true of our day as we see. So, so we shouldn't dismiss Enoch is my point there as some ancient guy sitting out in front of his tent speculating on the things of God. He walked with God. Was, with, was one of, he, he, his walk with God was one of faith pleasing to God. Enoch, by faith, walked with God, and our all-consuming desire, I think, should be to do the same. He walked by faith. He knew God. He opened his heart to God. He walked following God's lead. So it has also occurred to me, as in preparing this message, probably late in preparing this message, that if the only message we hear is how Enoch walked with God, and it's, it's like, now go and do the same, that however many I had in that list, I need to do all of those. Um, then we will miss the greater message, I think, that is here about God. The God who created the universe and everything in it chooses to lean down and walk with you and to have a relationship 
with you. Enoch could only walk with God because God, because of a gracious God who would walk with him. Like the psalmist, we must ask, what is man that you are, you are mindful of him? It is God who seeks us, for as we are told in Scripture, no one seeks God unless he first draws him to, them to himself. Sin has separated man from God. We cannot cross that separation, that gulf, as the or one hymn says. We cannot compel God to come to us, but in his great mercy, he has come to us. Ultimately, we find this to be true in Jesus Christ. John 1, 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And then Romans 10, 6, we read, The righteousness based on faith says, Do not say on your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Enoch did not know Christ, but he knew of God, and he put his faith in the Lord's grace and mercy and walked with him. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. One other time this, we see this occurring in Scripture, that's 2 Kings 2.11, when Elijah was taken in a chariot of fire. And we don't know the means of transportation uh, that was used for Enoch, if there was any. We were just told that he was not found because God had taken him. Even this should give us hope. Hope that he has made a place to take us. We are told by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 50, I tell you, this brother's flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. So, we know then that, also, that Enoch, though he did not die, he was taken, he was changed, for flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We also have hope in that he was taken. He did not disappear. He didn't just vanish. He didn't cease to be. It wasn't annihilated. He was taken to be with the Lord. 
And so, for all who believe, we have a hope of time when we too can be with the Lord. He has a place prepared for his children, and that we have hope. So, so lastly, I want to look at Lamech. Verse 28, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 770 years, and he died. So in contrast to the other Lamech, in chapter 4. This Lamech looks forward to one who will bring comfort, while the previous Lamech in Cain's line looked forward to wrath and curses. This Lamech looks back specifically to what we read in, in Genesis 3, where God says, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, how Noah directly provides relief from the curse, um, it's not clear commentaries argue back and forth about that. Speculate, you might say. I'm not going to add my speculation to their speculation. But what I think is clear to me, and hopefully to you, is that only Noah and his family survived the flood. So the promise of Genesis 3:15 that I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel, that promise of the seed of the woman must go through Noah. That would be Jesus, the seed of the woman, as Luke spells out for us in Luke 3, um, starting in verse 23. And I'm going, I'm going to skip some names in this because it's long. It'll be long anyway, but because it's long. Um, so Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of... Mathat, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Malhalalil, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So it is in Christ we shall receive the rest that Lamech spoke of. Christ becoming the curse for us, having been hung upon a tree, taking our sins upon himself. He has crushed Satan and removed death's sting. Christ is our rest, hoped for by Lamech. 1 Corinthians 15:22 says, For as Adam, in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. In Romans 5:19 says, For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made, made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So you see, hopefully, at this point, that this is the line of hope. Seth's line, we see the faith of Enoch, who placed his hope in God, 
and the hope of relief expressed by Lamech. And this hope, this walking with God by faith, I hope is your hope that you take by faith what John tells us, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. The same choice of the ancients we have believe God not to believe in God to believe in the son that he has given us or not to is still our choice is our choice today by faith like Enoch we must walk with God for without faith it is impossible to please him let's pray dear Lord we thank you for your word we thank you for its instruction in walking, its admonition to walk. Uh, But, Lord, most of all, we thank you that you choose to walk with man, that you choose to restore relationship with us through your Son, whom you have sent. Lord, that if we only believe, Lord, I pray that those here and in hearing choose life as Moses said choose to believe in the only path to life and as revealed in in Christ that path is is belief in him Uh, Lord that's our my prayer today for for all here and all hearing Lord that we we may walk in him in in obedience and in truth and i ask these things in jesus name amen thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from mountain city church to learn more about our church visit our website at mountaincty.church thanks again and may the lord bless your week